What's happening, everyone? Welcome to the Paranormies Present, the Nationalist Inquirer. I'm your host, Johnny Monoxide, and tonight we are joined by Dogbot. What is up? Howdy, y'all. Howdy. And that's it. That's it for the uh, the standard cast. We have a special guest joining us in just a minute, but uh, what's up, Dogbot? Uh, not much. Just being part of the standard cast. Well, the stan- yeah, standard cast. Stop it. It wasn't a... The usual guys. The usual suspects. The... <laughs> the what am I being accused of this time? Nothing. 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 You're, you're on the show. I don't know. I'm a cross between Kaiser Cerse and Pepe Silvia. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Kaiser Soze. I still so, love that. So I, fall, I fall somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. Somewhere in between somebody who doesn't exist and somebody who also doesn't exist. Gotcha. Wait, wasn't Pepe Silvia like just a meme? Didn't it turn out that it was just like wasn't a thing, or was well, that a Kaiser Soze was too? Well, Kaiser Soze was a meme. I mean, it was actually. I, lo- I guess I like that. He was gone. I like that he was gone. Yeah, the coffee cup. What was the name on the coffee cup? Uh, oh, I, don't I don't remember. remember. Yeah, but that's how. That's Kobayashi. Ah, uh, Kobayashi, Kobayashi. That's right, Kobayashi. Ah, oh, yeah. and and August has, has joined us. What's up, Typhus? Glad to be back, guys. Great to be here. Yeah. I think it's just like my t- time down on the show. First yeah. time doing it live. Right on, yeah. So you're out. This is the really live Nationalist Inquirer. Um, it's the same. It's the same as the other one, except uh, there are actually people listening now. So, all right, I'm gonna kill the uh, the music, and it goes on. It literally goes on for four minutes. I love it, but it's it goes on for four minutes. Thank you, FEMA. Appreciate that. Um. Yeah, man. Uh, Typhus, welcome to the Nationalist Inquirer. You came on for our Dugan, uh, Dugina Where's My Car special a while back. Um, that was funny and fun. Uh, this Very is controversial fun. episode. Very yes. Fun doing it with you guys. Yeah. Uh, we, lo- we love doing the controversial stuff because, you know. It's only controversial because people put a lot of stock into the guy, right? Like, like sure. there are certain people there that we're well, they also invested. put a lot of stock into into believing the Russian government narratives are true, too. Right. Right. Like, they can't fake uh, happenings, right? Like, if you're about... If you just were nearly assassinated, you would stand by the burning car and not be whisked away, right? Um, Pretty sure if you had any kind of security detail, they would have whisked you away. Oh, wait, you were asking. That was a um, rhetorical question. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> we've had, we've had a, a, another series of really big happenings this week. Oh, Almost man. Almost as big of a blow up. <laughs> uh, we've had $200 billion bank blow up at Silicon Valley Bank. Man, what a what an explosion. Implosion? Explosion? Is that an implosion? It's an implosion, implosion, I guess. Implosion, yeah. It collapsed in on itself. Mm-hmm. It collapsed in on itself. Now, this is Silicon Valley Bank. Now, this is a place where what people that live in Silicon Valley can go and do their everyday banking, right? They have ATMs, right? Is that that kind of that kind of bank? We're getting they, right they, into they, it, huh? They do have ATMs, <laughs> but it, it's definitely not like your average normie bank. Like, there's no normies really banking at Silicon Valley Bank. This is a bank that 
propped up basically to serve like this elite high money clientele of like very wealthy people living in the tech hub of the United States and the investors funding all these companies, Hmm. some which are not profitable at all, some which are bringing in huge amounts of revenue. Now, a lot of these are startups, right? Or are they just like, yeah? Just tech? They're they're all startups. They're basically. all startups. I, I, I mean, even Silicon Valley Bank itself was basically a startup. The bank's only forty years old, which for a bank isn't really that old. Wow. Um, and SCV basically started when these two Bank of America uh, managers and a big time loan officer from Wells Fargo got together, and they realized that. Silicon Valley is basically full of like a lot of young autistic kids with no financial sophistication that are getting handed, you know, hundreds of the thousands of dollars, sometimes millions of dollars, sometimes making a lot of revenue. And they have all this cash on hand and really no business experience or financial sophistication. So they realize you know, it's basically chock full of like the best clients that you could have for a bank. Hmm. Uh, so they, they set up SVB about 40 years ago and it's kind of served this community of startups and their investors okay. for a long time, okay. growing really big in size along the way. Now, now when they part, they, they've partnered with a lot of people along the way, mostly um, big tech money and stuff, but also, uh, they they've partnered with uh Gavin Newsom's wife. What's up with that? Uh why what is it with the uh with the the wives of governors being very heavily involved in, in like banking and, and financial fiascos? Well e- even Newsom himself, Newsom's basically like the chosen politician of the Getty family. And the mm-hmm. Getty family is like a really wealthy and powerful California family that's controlled state level politics on a big level for a long time. We talked about, we talked about John Paul Getty uh, when we were doing the first Jim Jones episode, John Paul Getty Jr. um, Was the guy who got the uh, Von Schwingberg or whatever the heck his name was, right? Von Borschwing. Was that his name? Talk about. Bullswing. Von Bullswing. Yes. yes, it was John Paul Getty Jr. that got him the job at TCI and made him president. Weird. This is a, another Getty doing stuff with financial. And, anyways, it's all weirdly connected. The Gettys. And, right. Yeah. It <laughs> goes all the way back to the Nazis. It's it's really, really strange. Okay, so carry on. I'm sorry, Typhus. Got it. Right. So uh, the bank melted down basically Thursday night. So Thursday morning, a lot of people started pulling deposits out of it. And Mm -hmm. then by Thursday night, the bank's basically insolvent. And on Friday, it had completely collapsed. And over over the weekend, there was a lot of confusion as to, like, what exactly was going to happen and, like, the fallout of such a large bank going bankrupt, basically. Right now, what triggered the bankruptcy? Like how does how does some, how does a bank that has that many, um, you know, depositors, investors of that of that size, of that size accounts, how do they just how do they become bankrupt? 
Yeah, so probably the, the best way to explain what they did wrong would be to explain like what the purpose of a bank is to begin with. So let's say you were a business that had a ton of cash, right, and no mm -hmm. bank. What you could do is you could just put the cash into a big vault and now you have a new security risk where you have to keep this cash secure. People can potentially rob it. If you want to put the cash in another location, what you could do where, where it's secure, what you could do is you could loan the money to the government uh, in, in the form of buying government bonds or buying treasury bills. And this is what a lot of big companies actually do. They have an accountant on their staff and their full-time job basically is to constantly be rolling new treasury bills, which are basically a financial instrument where you make like a really short-term loan to the government and they don't keep a lot of money in the bank. If you ever looked at it like a financial disclosure agreement and you see a line that says like cash and cash equivalent, mm -hmm. government bonds, treasury bonds, uh, treasury bills, these are considered cash equivalents. And if you put your money into a bank, the bank doesn't want to keep all this cash in like a giant vault either, right? Like it, it would bring up like, the, you know, the cartoon situation of like someone breaking into the vault and stealing like this giant bag with a dollar sign on it. So they basically do this same thing. They're basically just doing this service for their customers. They buy government bonds and they buy treasury bills um as a mix of short and long-term investments to keep the money secure the problem is these long-dated bonds are subject to variation in market price based on interest rates and if there's a run on the bank where a lot of people are trying to pull their money out of the bank all at the same time, the bank has to sell these long dated bonds off. Mm -hmm. And because of the big rise in interest rates over the past two or three years, uh, the market value of, of these bonds had dropped substantially. So the bank has to eat huge losses selling these bonds to cover deposits. And it, this is basically a semi-inorganic situation that happened. Um, and I, I, I can get into that a little bit further if you want, but does, does that kind of explain like the setup of yes. like what happened here and definitely. why it, why it got to that point? I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, now you got to remember, a lot of people aren't as in, involved in the financial or interested, even to know uh, about this kind of stuff. They just know, <clears throat> they just know that this big bank is collapsing, and that a lot of a lot of Jews. Um, now, here's the thing: Are the Jews mad about this, or, or are they the ones that did this? They're the ones that did this, right? Basically. Yeah. Well, the the, the thing is basically who pays. Uh, the bill here who, who who pays for the collapse of this bank and who benefits from that right mm -hmm. if, if you if you want to go down that road of like was this a setup 
and who benefited from it if it was. Oh yeah, that's that's how you always have to look at it. Kind of like like when you look at nine eleven, you look at who benefited from all the insurance policies and who benefited from all uh, the stuff that came out of the Patriot Act and whatever. So yeah, so out of this, who would benefit from a bank like like Silicon Valley Bank going going under? Right. Well, we 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 can look at the immediate proximate factors of what caused it. Okay. So basically what caused it was this email that Peter Thiel sent, sent out. And, and, and Thiel, one of the biggest San Francisco Bay Area investors, the main investor and in, in one of the biggest funds out there, Founders Fund, sent this email out to the managers of his different funds and the CEOs of his portfolio companies on Thursday. And it, it basically becomes this telephone game, right, where... All these CEOs tell their best friends, who then tell their best friends. And by late afternoon, Thursday afternoon, everybody's heard that Teal's pulling out of his money yep. out of Silicon Valley Bank. It causes this cascading effect and the bank collapses. Yeah, so, is, is they basically he basically initiated a run on the bank. More or less. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, it, it it was done to a huge extent over over social media too. If you look at people close in his milieu on Twitter, like David Sachs, Teal, and Sachs were both big Silicon Valley MAGA guys. Mm. Uh, you know, they're, they're signaling like incoming Mad Max scenario. You know, th this uh, extremely over emotional over sensational uh dr drama attention seeking instigating going on tr trying to incite further bank runs then the bank really that they were focused on doing this at next was first republic bank and, and this is largely because silicon valley bank and first republic bank share a lot of the similar customers just because first republic bank is a big bank uh big regional bank in california that serves a lot of businesses in that area so it, they, they probably figured if we can get everybody to pull from silicon valley bank we can get them to pull from first republic bank too first republic bank didn't have the same issue though of being so exposed to interest rate risk that silicon valley bank had been by buying so many long dated uh, 10 year government bonds and 10 year mortgage backed securities. Hmm. Okay. You started, you started actually mentioning like financial products and like my brain started like going, to sleep. <laughs> man. Um, no, it's, 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 it's crazy because, well, we said that the bank run started and, um, the bank run definitely they ran all the way to Israel with a lot of the money. Did you yeah. See, did you did you know so it's very interesting who got tipped off first. Right. Right. Uh the basically the big time like Zionists mm -hmm. uh make Israel great again people all got out. Mm -hmm. Uh the, the Israelis themselves got out. The people who got burned the most in this situation were Chinese companies and Chinese investors, simply because they're the last to hear it, right? 
I guess because the sun comes up so late over there, right? <laughs> it's like they're they're already everything's already happening while they're sleeping. Well, no, because the news is spreading out kind of through social circles, ah. right? So it's spreading out through like teal social circle first, and that kind of circle of like Bay Area Republicans is probably furthest removed from like the foreign Chinese business community in ah. San Francisco. I get what you're saying, yeah. So they all moved their money. Uh, there were two banks uh, in Israel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, what were the two banks? But they moved over a billion dollars before it was seized by the feds. Very convenient. Very right. Easy. So their money was never at risk. Right. Uh, none of Teal's money was ever at risk. They're, they're the ones that stand to benefit the most and they they can stand to benefit in in a few ways now honestly what i think should have happened is the government should have just allowed the bank to fail and all of the all all, all of the signaling on social media that this had a risk of contagion and spreading to other banks is basically bullshit because the average person is not going to be at all impacted by these different tech startups all centrally located in silicon valley all failing most people don't know anyone that that works at those companies and the extremely rich people losing their ass and this bank failure is not going to impact like your average american worker at all so they're not going to feel any pressure to themselves pull out of like their own banks even though even though there's like the astroturfed uh boomer tard get your money out of the bank now well you've seen that was it the virgin uh the, the virgin withdrawer and the chad depositor yeah that was a meme i made and posted on my channel oh, you made yeah, that? A, a, that was you any anytime there's some kind of financial crisis like this happening like the silver and gold people like come crawling out of the woodwork oh, yeah. uh just selling silver and gold as much as they can and the, the way they always scam it too is like the actual event will never like really impact the spot price of precious metals that much uh but what it'll impact a lot is the premium price because any anytime you buy silver like online, you have to pay like a premium to the dealer that they charge on top of like mm-hmm. what the actual metal is trading for, and the premiums will always like jack jack way way high during any of like uh these periods of uncertainty and periods of fear mm-hmm. where people are selling a narrative that like the entire sky is falling and the system is going to collapse overnight. Well, I've I've heard um my my normie friend at work, I'm trying. He's 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 a nice guy. But uh he's like, "Yeah, man, this Silicon Valley thing, you got to get your money and get it into hard currency like gold and silver." Just like that. I was like, "Really? Where where, where are you buying gold from?" He said, "Well, you you know, you, you buy it and you I said, like, "You don't hold the gold, you hold the certificate." And you have to cash in the certificate with a broker. You're not buying physical gold. Nobody's buying physical gold right now, really. Unless you're like buying it from a pawn shop, right? Yeah, you 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 can buy it from from pawn shops. Uh, that's pretty- that, that's probably one of the best places to buy gold, just because they they get so much uh, shitty gold jewelry in, and they melt it down, and then they either ship it back to like a 
a dealer or they sell it in their shop. Right. Or to a broker or whatever themselves. Right. But like yeah. going to a broker, you're not buying gold, you're buying the certificate and you, you just you might as well just be fiat paper in your pocket. You don't actually have the gold until you, unless you, even then, and even then like gold is still almost as much as a fiat because it's only worth what people say it's worth. You know, the price of gold is still set by, you know, um, not popular opinion, but basically the opinion of somebody, right? Yeah, it's still controlled by paper markets. Uh-huh. So, so anyway, so yeah, so the gold and silver people come out. The boomers are all, some boomers are pretending uh, to take their money out of the bank and be r- real worried about it. Uh, Jim Cramer says everything's okay. Don't worry. Yeah, it, it, it's Cramer has become the, the kiss of death for companies on the brink of failure. When, when Kramer comes out and, and goes on CNBC and tries to reassure everybody that it's okay, it's definitely not okay. It's definitely time to sell your uh, stock in that company. Yeah, well, and it's because Kramer is basically a whore for hedge funds. Like the main purpose that Kramer exists for is to give, basically every portfolio manager needs to make like at least four or 5% gains on their portfolio every quarter. Or if they don't, people are going to, their investors are going to pull out. Right. So if it's coming close to the end of the quarter and they're only at like 3%, they slip Kramer a little cash and Kramer uh, gives them the extra like 2% bump that they need to make their quarterly by pushing, Yeah, by pushing them on the show. Yeah. Or if a bank is trying to just completely clear out of something, Kramer goes on TV and reassures everybody that it's an okay bump. And everybody, and everybody buys it. Buys it uh, yeah. Gets fucking screwed. <laughs> how does nobody? How does nobody go after him? Like, yeah, like they don't. Uh, the other thing I don't understand is like, why wouldn't you just follow Nancy Pelosi's portfolio? Pelosi's been kind of eating fit the past year because she bought heavy on on tech and green energy mm. and uh, like Tesla and all of that's really been wrecked over the past couple of years hmm. um and if we, if we want to get into the conspiracy side of yes like why let's, let's get into the conspiracy side of why yeah of like why silicon valley bank collapsed uh th- th- there's a few different reasons for it in, in my opinion and one we're assuming teal did it right because it it, it just seems very obvious uh this is kind of like the conventionally accepted uh a narrative going around right now i think um so what would his like objectives be well well, one is he's made himself like an outspoken uh, opponent of the esg score or uh, emissions or environmental social and governance scores mm-hmm. that like woke investors give to companies basically to rate them on like how well they're complying with UN agenda 2030 objectives. Right. right. And Teal's wanted to replace this with the GRC score, which is governance, risk and compliance. Hmm. Uh, basically stripping out the environmental and social aspect and replacing it with what's the actual risk these companies are looking at from like a financial perspective. And how compliant actually are they with regulators and with the government? Uh, which Silicon Valley hates the compliance part. 
Like if you look at companies like Uber or Lyft, the way they, they built the, their companies was by being completely non-compliant uh, and basically breaking the law in a lot of municipalities, right? By, but by operating like unregistered taxi services. Mm-hmm. And this is how like a lot of Silicon Valley companies that are not like a pure software play, but actually blend over into reality work, right? They're, they're, they're basically inventing a technology that skirts uh, compliance of government regulation and then extracting profit from that, like Uber or like Airbnb, right? Right. They're skirting around like regulations and compliance the hotel operators have to go through. Right. And those are, and uh, those are both based out of the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything like that, um, you can pretty much guarantee is based out of the Bay Area. Right. And, and Teal's kind of been trying to build uh, Nexus out of New York City, mm. uh, 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 out of Brooklyn. And he's building like both a, a cultural Nexus and like a Nexus of uh, startup companies and investors to fund them out of New York. Hmm. So. Sinking SVB, which is kind of like a darling of like the ESG crowd, right? And it also gives like a convenient narrative for why it happened, mm-hmm. right? Because a, a lot of like right wing discourse online is completely controlled by Teal. Uh, you know, with bought and paid for podcasters and podcast networks, um, right? And so immediately, like, the narrative comes out in right-wing media that, like, the bank collapsed because it went woke, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of wokeness articles about this about this bank. There's, um, let's see here. There are several. There's, um, what do we got here? We got the, uh, the diversity, the, the, what was it, the, um, the risk assessment person? Yeah, they're, they're chief risk officer. Yeah, chief risk who, officer was MIA for nine months because she was busy putting together their woke LGBT program and um, lesbian awareness day. Yeah, she was obviously paying no attention to their bond holdings, which were getting actually destroyed <laughs> on, on on market rates. One of the things is gay events. One of the things I find amusing about the phrase get woke, go broke, it is catchy and everything, but it's completely untrue. It's more like get woke, appear to have some kind of public setback, only for there to be gains to be made with every single other, air quotes, woke corporation going on. That's way too long. And that, yeah, I mean, then you just forget, you, you, you forget about the one that, that made the outrage for a little while. Mm-hmm. But all the other ones are just steadily getting worse and worse and worse. And then it comes back to that one later. Right. Like everybody expected Disney to go broke for some reason. And they made That's Tinkerbell not black. Happen. That's not going to happen. Yeah, they made Tinkerbell yeah. black. They made <laughs> the Little like, Mermaid black. Uh, they made the Little yeah. Mermaid black. They made well, Tinkerbell they already, black. They'd already done that. Right. I'm like, just saying. I'm just saying like, oh, yeah, watch this. Hold my beer. Yeah. yeah, and then like uh, you know, like oh no, these cape ship movies are finally going away. They put out Morbius. Uh, oh, that's yeah, but they're gonna have Black Superman with the guy that. Uh, yeah, but that's not sold Disney. out that's movie theaters that's with not Creed. Disney. That's not Disney. 
That's universal. Yeah, no, it, it mostly all... I, I said cape ship movies. Did oh. I say Disney well, specifically? Well, I, I mean, I'm Disney just saying, like yeah. people people think that stuff is on the wane, but no, they're just they're they're going to bring it back. Sure. It, they'll have a they'll have a Black Iron Man movie by next year. Well, they already Disney. have Black Iron Man. They have what's his name with the um. No, not War Machine. Oh, they'll have an actual they'll Black have Iron Man. a they'll have a black girl that's into STEM. Uh, and they'll make her the new Iron Man, just like they just, <laughs> just just like they took a black weakling kid and made him the new Spider Man. Yeah, they got a new they Spider. They got a new Spider Man cartoon movie coming out. That's a bunch of Spider Mans hanging out with each other, and the bad Spider Man is the big white jock Spider Man. Right, and he beats up he beats up the nerdy black Spider Man. All right, that's enough. That's enough cape shit. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, like the 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 phrase "get woke, go broke." It doesn't. It it, it never pans out. It's just it's a pipe dream. No, it's yeah. It's it mo- it mostly dream, just a, amounts to like a big amount of social media outrage. It goes nowhere. Yeah, it's it's and, a bunch of boomers. It's a bunch of boomers yelling into their uh into their camera phones and their sunglasses in their truck. Is all it is. Well, they never actually boycott this stuff, right? Like they yeah. they get they get mad they get mad at the Kaepernick and the kneeling for the national anthem thing, and uh, you run into them at the grocery store and they've got a Chiefs jersey on, right? Or they're buying, <laughs> or they're you know they're still they're still watching the game on Sunday, you know, just they're pissed off at Kaepernick, but man, they're still watching the game. They're yeah, mad. Nobody that-, that was mad about the Hershey's Hershey thing stopped eating Hershey's chocolate because of it. About the what? Hershey. The the true ad that the Hershey's did the like her for she campaign. Oh, oh I I don't even yeah, remember like that. I, yeah, I don't eat Hershey chocolate because it's garbage chocolate. But yeah, it's I I didn't even know about that. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, I had no I, idea I, they even made a training commercial. I'm glad yeah, they, they, they were I'm doing like I've a been... whole playoff of like the name Hershey. Yeah, yeah. Hershey. So they had like you know. I'm the glad I've been thing. pre preemptively boycotting Hershey's. Yeah. Not <laughs> the only time I'll eat them is if like. I don't know, like um, around Halloween, if the kid has, you know, the, the Halloween candy, I'll steal one or two. But that's about it. The only time I saw some, I, I saw some stupid tweet. Uh, it was some guy saying, yeah, if you if you really think that you're going to just boycott Nestle, then you're going to have to stop eating all of these. And it was a, a screenshot of all these different candies. And I was like, <laughs> uh, I'm like, no, well, that okay. was a me. OK, that was it's a problem was, for the average American. No, dog. But that was a meme because the original one was. You're gonna to have to boycott all of these, and it's the, all the other stuff that Nestle owns, and it's a lot of stuff. Nestle owns quite a bit of stuff, but they made the meme is yeah, they turned it into all the candies because that's also this true. guy. This guy was being serious. Though. Oh, this was guy, he? This guy was yeah. This guy was oh. like yo, you you can't you can't not eat your hundred grand. Okay, you can't. You know? Okay, well you, you can't, can't tell eat- you can't tell nowadays who's being serious and who's not. Okay. Yo, the, can you but, stop eating Caramello? Oh, I had to like twenty years ago when it started rotting my teeth out. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever had a Caramello. It's like a Rolo, uh, right? Uh, it's like a Rolo candy bar, except with oh, creamier can- caramel. Rolo yeah, candy bar. Now I'm going to have to try that. I've never had one. It's, it's fantastic, but my teeth are like more robot than man now. I've so. never had I've <laughs> never had a Caramello. I was always um, I was always a Reese's Peanut Butter Cups guy. Yeah, for Reese's Peanut Butter Cups from the freezer, but I, I can't even do that anymore. I'm, I'm just like... Maybe maybe what do you have like diabetes teeth or something. 
No, it's just I like I I cut out all like candy bars and sodas and everything okay. like a while ago when I decided to yeah I did not I did that too not be not be fat. But occasionally, you know, I mean, occasionally you're standing there in line and you're like the Reese's are right there. I just grab. Occasionally, one. if occasionally. I'm at a certain burger place, I will have Big Red from the tap. Because uh, it's so delicious. Oh, from, big, the from big the red fountain. soda. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I might, I, I might grab a Reese's on the brick. Yeah, the Reese's is about. Yeah, I, I love the Reese's. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah, but they're so woke. Are they? You no know, Reese's. Yeah. Oh, I guess now. I now know. when now when you break open a Reese's cup, a bunch of pronouns come out. I don't care. They still, t- they still taste <laughs> it's fine. Pronoun it's butter. It's fake butter. Yeah, yeah. Pronoun ah, they're using pronoun butter. 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 Gross. That actually that's, sounds disgusting. That's the name of the episode, Pronoun Butter. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Um, back to the banking fiasco. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the whole, like, uh, get woke, go broke narrative, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, the classic li- liberal, li- libertarian podcast sphere is, like, pumping out for why Silicon Bank collapsed. It, 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 it's, it's a convenient narrative, right, to, to give Teal cover, right, because – it largely collapsed because of this bank run and the result too, right? Like the treasury came out Sunday afternoon night and said they made an agreement basically where none of the bill for it is going to have to be paid by the taxpayer, right? They're going to backstop all the deposits, but they claim the taxpayer is not going to have to pay the bill for it. And the way they're doing it is with a special assessment or a tax on all banks, basically. So mm. basically every bank has to chip in a little bit to bail out SVB. But the, 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 this is true. The taxpayer is not going to have to pay any part of the bill. But additionally, what they also negotiated is that they're going to put up $25 billion uh, basically to backstop any further risk so the taxpayer is not paying any of the bill but now is having to absorb 25 billion dollars in potential bad debt and potential risk from either either the original bank collapse or any further fallout from it and that's the part that kind of gets buried in all of these storylines uh, like they, they claim, oh, you know, basically nothing happened, but there is something big that happened. And it's likely that that $25 billion in risk is going to come due at some point. And there will have to be uh, that money being paid for by taxpayers. <laughs> so it's like a promissory note from the taxpayers. What what they did is the or treasury has cre- like a future tax credit. What, what, what they did is the treasury has a fund that is traditionally used to stabilize currency exchange mar- markets in the event of a currency collapse, and they decided to take this instead and put it towards making loans for one year. And they're accepting as collateral for these loans 
long dated U.S. government bonds and they're valuing, valuing these bonds at the original value that they were purchased at. Because basically what happened with SVB is they bought a, a, a lot of 10 year government bonds mm -hmm. that were paying out at one and a half percent interest. And interest rates have gone up a lot from that to around like four and a half, five percent. And when that happens, the bonds don't lose 3% of value. They lose more like 30% of value. Oof. Because if you were to sell the bond at the market today, someone can just buy from the government new debt paying out at 4.5% interest instead of 1.5%. So to buy your 1.5% bond, they're going to calculate the full 10-year value of the missing interest that they could get today and then subtract that from the face value of the bond. Um, so hold on, they're subtracting, we, they're subtracting hypothetical interest? Well, it, it's, it's, not, it's not so much hypothetical, right? Because the, they're, they're basically valuing like no risk of government collapse over the 10 years. Mm -hmm. So they're considering it like, almost as good as money in the bank okay. right this All like right, future right. income right okay they're basing but, it on whether or not the government's going to collapse more or less yeah yeah th 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 that's not really impacting the price at right, all. right. But, but but yeah that, that's basically how the, the bond market works so like a three percent change in interest rates can collapse the price of bonds like 30 40 percent wow that's um and, and, and th th that's basically what happened now. And, 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 but now the government is saying you can post these bonds or similar securities like uh, mortgage-backed securities and we'll treat it like this drop in price never happened. We'll, we'll, we'll loan you money out like there was never actually any market drop in price and we'll just take on the risk. Hmm. And why would they do that? Uh, um, well, this is kind of the, the agreement that they negotiated to be able to get these banks to agree to, to all pay a tax mm. is say, we're going to also absorb all this interest rate risk that you've taken on in the past few years. And it's a really bad deal that the government negotiated. Like for one, if there wasn't going to be just letting the bank collapse, right? If the government felt they had no choice but to make some kind of deal to resuscitate this bank and to backstop the depositors. Mm -hmm. What they should have done is they should have gone to all the different funds, all, all, all the different venture capitalists that had their funds here and that had all their portfolio companies banked here. And they should have said, okay, we'll bail you out, you know, the, the, this one time. Um, but what we want in return is we want 1% on cash inflows into your fund and 10% of the profits for 10 years. Because VC funds basically charge 2% on inflows and 20% on, on profits as their business model. So basically say, okay, we'll bail, bail you out, but we want half of your earnings. Mm -hmm. Um as some kind of compensation here, as some kind of upside, because there is a lot of risk. There's $25 billion in risk being absorbed.
and they they could just make a deal where either you agree to that to those terms or your account gets reduced to $250,000. And you know, see how many people take that deal. It would probably be all of them. Yeah, I mean is it a bad deal for the government because, you know, they they wanted it to be like that or is it like they're actually getting fucked? Um well, I I mean it's it's a bad deal for the government basically because you know, the government negotiators and politicians are basically bought and paid off by this right. Silicon Valley clique as like enormous influence in politics. So, so like they didn't give them harsh terms at all. Right. It's a sweet deal for the bank because, oh, no, uh, we got to help. We we can't. This wasn't a too big to fail thing. This was just a it's going to cause a, a, a cascade. The domino effect is going to happen. Right. But um. For no reason, they decided a building seven. What Signature Bank? Well, Signature Bank took on uh, was taking crypto deposits mm-hmm. and lost their assets on crypto. But the, the the people who orchestrated the Silicon Valley bank run, like Teal, Sachs, Calacani, uh, who are screaming their heads off on social media about the potential of other bank runs basically kind of pounced on signature bank is like a oh look it's happening thing you know like oh look it's already spread to signature bank which really had nothing to do with the the conditions that led to the implosion of silicon valley bank it had to do with them being overexposed to crypto and crypto being extremely volatile Hmm. but they but they did like shut it down like the it wasn't yeah the the, the, the the government did see a signature bank right. but in like a normal news cycle that would have basically been a non-story like really? there are banks that fail like every year yeah right like i mean that happens fail. all the time right um but but uh it just so happens that it happened on the weekend that the, the silicon valley bank thing right so yeah and, and and so people like see us on that as like an opportunity like oh look on monday you know, yeah. 20 banks are going to fail. Right, right. Right, because two banks failed today. There was a lot of chicken littling going on on Friday. A lot of sky, a lot of the sky was falling. Yeah, and, and those people are in uh the people orchestrating it. They they're doing it to put pressure on on the government negotiators to make a deal. Mm-hmm. Right, to to backstop the SVB depositors. And a lot of these people like to begin with are not americans right they're coming from like israel or, or china uh their, their companies are israeli or chinese entrepreneurs right and the the money happens to be parked there but now the taxpayer and the american banking system are basically bailing these foreigners out for no upside we we, we get absolutely no upside from 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 any of this hmm. it, it, it's just uh tens of billions of dollars in new risk that like the taxpayers had to assume just to make you know some rich people whole again crazy how nature do that crazy and the banking industry i mean you know these are just these are just good irish kids right mostly you know, these, these people that are doing this banking they're they're not i mean they're not all jews are they like who's who's running these banks? Who's run, who's running these banks now? It's, it's it is it is a bunch of like woke white women. Uh, there's there, there a guy named John Gentile. 
the, the guy running Silicon Valley Bank right now that the government's put in is Greek, actually. Okay. But I thought I saw a meme of some guy named John Gentile, like <laughs> he's in charge of the It would have been of... pronounced genteel, but yeah, I just because but I, I saw the um the board of of uh, SVB is a lot of woke white women. Um, two of them have absolutely no, um, excuse me, only one member of the board had investment banking background. So, there are, yeah, one of them was an improv actor. <laughs> one of them was a Shinto Buddhist white woman. White in air quotes. That face looks like a Jew. I don't know, possibly. Um. So yeah, none of these people that run these banks have any, know how to do anything with banking. Like they're, they're um, the securities officer, right? Their risk, their risk assessment officer wasn't doing risk assessment. She was some, I mean, she was some shade of flavor of brown, right? She had some name J Ashpatkaz or something, you know. Uh, right. Well, and, and partially why this is the reason is like because the bank is servicing like such a small amount of clients mm-hmm. it, it's basically just operating at their whims right? right so one of the major products that svb offered was it offered they, they called it venture debt where they would make loans to these different startup companies that were essentially just signature loans uh backed by promises for a lot of money Mm-hmm. They're loaning about 10% of their deposits, so about $20 billion out in these venture loans. And basically, they made these agreements where they approach all the investors and they say, okay, you're you're going to make a commitment to keep funding this company that you've already put $10 million in for another $10 million. And then we'll make a loan to the company for five million and that loan will be underwritten by your 10 million dollar commitment but these commitments are worth like two shits in a bag basically right there's no actual contractual obligation here it's just them saying yeah i'm gonna commit myself to continue to invest in this company um so they're they're really fragile loans Mm-hmm. Um, but their 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 customers wanted them to do this, and basically, this is where the bank got itself in, 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 into big trouble and where it gets fucked up because basically, these really savvy investors or people that are pitching themselves as like being very savvy, very very good at money decided that they could offload all the risk for managing their money onto a bank. And then if the bank made bad decisions that they were more or less pushing them towards, then the government will just bail the bank out. Uh, So they're they're basically just using the the government as As insurance as a backstop to make sure they're, they're they're never capable of like making a bad decision. Oh man. What a, Wow. What a system. What a system. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, but the, the the problem with this arrangement, basically, and, and, and how they kind of stepped into it, 
is it also creates like a, a prisoner's dilemma where you have all these rich people that have all pulled all their money together mm. and if one of them decides hey i'm going to pull all my money out everybody else can potentially lose it all too and they're all to some level or some degree competing with each other too um, so it does create an incentive for someone to try to get a run on the bank to happen and everybody potentially loses all their money that just seems it seems like an insane and like an insane just thing overall uh you want to be the guy that starts the bank run so everybody else loses their money i mean it just having that kind of money makes you insane i think well, it, it, it's very much like the the climate of like Silicon Valley itself, mm -hmm. right? It, it's oh, absolutely. It's it's absolutely extremely wealthy sociopaths. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We, and by the way, Silicon Valley Bank um, and the derivatives market had uh, twenty seven billion six hundred eighty two million in uh, derivatives, and they're at number thirty three on the bank list. Just to, I thought that that was funny. Because <laughs> of course they Because of course they were. And then there was one um, where there was a six 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 involved in this too. Where is it? Oh, First Republic Bank collapsed sixty six point six percent today, like market open or something. Oh, there was that too. And then there was uh yeah, there was the pre market drop of this bank it was a sixty six point six percent too. This was uh, the Silicon Valley Bank the day before. So the pre-market value was 66.6% down, and then they were 33rd on the derivatives market. Um, yeah. And $3.3 billion, it's 33, of USDC's cash reserves were in Silicon Valley Bank. Huh. Yeah, by a company man uh, managed by a company called Circle, too. Which, yes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I think it's a really funny name for a company like yeah. that. Circle. They've, yeah, Circle, Keikel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's strange. Um, this is banking people. It just always seem to be, you know, these numbers always, I don't know. Do you think it's coincidence that it's always these numbers or are these numbers generated by the system or do they just throw these numbers into the uh, data because they don't care because the numbers don't actually exist? Like, at that, at that, like, those are just ones and zeros in a in a computer at that point, like. They don't have, nobody has, you know, $228 billion in assets in a bank. What's they the number really one love bank? the number 33. Yeah, they but really do. The, uh, the number one, the, by the way, JP Morgan at the time uh, holds $55,387,209,000,000 in derivatives. $55 trillion. It's a big number. Yeah. It's crazy, but the, the 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 entire collapse really does play significantly into the Masonic agenda, right? We, we we've mm -hmm. all seen like the Masonic paintings that they have at Bank of America headquarters, mm -hmm. and this collapse of a non-Big Four bank is definitely going to drive deposits towards banks like Bank of America, Citibank, J.P. Morgan Chase, mm -hmm. and further consolidation in the banking sector more consolidation equals more centralization more elite control and it's also driving depositors towards companies peter teal's palantir uh is aligned with like morgan stanley mm -hmm. and then and all these all these these big banks that are gonna start 
with the well, but they already started with the uh, you know need to get rid of cash, but the uh, CB CB uh, DCs that are coming around, they're they're really going to start pushing for those. Yeah, people are anticipating this is going to drive uh, people into into in, into these big banks and then make it easier to convert U.S. dollar to uh federal reserve crypto right i mean and, and to be fair i mean most people their money exists digitally anyways only you know so so a lot of people are like well what's the big deal man right that, that, that that's definitely the reaction to marmies i mean, I mean the, the big deal is if your money is linked to a digital id and you're you're only able to access it through that soon all these different digital platforms which are already centrally controlled will require you to also use a digital id to access it mm -hmm. and then any kind of wrong thing you post online they can easily just shut your bank account off for that is it right there exactly like i always say can't wait to have my amazon fridge not let me have any food because i did a racism on facebook Right, and, and Teal's companies like Palantir already know about like all the racism you've ever committed. Right, they actually absolutely do. They're the the companies that scroll through all your all your history and send it to the NSA. Probably, um, you think you're same no guy. The same the same guys that are ready to prosecute Doug Mackey. Yeah, I mean they're going to prosecute Doug Mackey for uh, memes, right? For memes, memes. I mean, Mackey's case is interesting, too, because Mackey was working with two. Yeah. Mackey was working at Clearview AI. So, I mean, there's probably more to it than we're going to know, but, uh, yeah, he was working with Peter Thiel. That was the whole, that was, what was the deal with Clearview AI? What did they do? What, what, what was their, what was their uh, angle with AI? Clearview AI was a facial recognition company. Okay. And basically, they scroll like all social media platforms. At the time, Teal was uh, on the board of Facebook and build uh, facial recognition portfolios on everybody based off their digital footprint. Hmm. So the pitch that Ricky was making to Paul Nalen was something like uh we're going to use clearview ai uh to do like some kind of opposition research i don't know the whole thing was very shady mm -hmm. um but teal's pitch that he he originally made with clearview ai to the government was we're going to build a database of all illegal immigrants Right, um, and, and he wanted Stephen Miller to give him like a big amount of money, and I don't think they ever got the money from Miller to do that. Hmm. I don't know if, if Clearview is actually developed into a, a big commercial program at the moment. Palantir does its own uh, facial recognition thing. That that was one of the pro products that they were selling the military on was doing spy satellite surveillance and then facial recognition and tracking 
those like suspected terrorist movements in Afghanistan. And that's the kind of stuff. And that's the kind of stuff that Doug Mackey was working with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the company that, yeah. that Doug Mackey was working. There you go. With. Did you hear what they're char like? What they're charging him under? Uh, they're charging him under the Ku Klux Klan Act, which like yeah, hasn't been eight, used 18, for any, anything in like a hundred years. Oh my God. Eighteen USC two forty one. Where is it? I'm looking for it. Yes, eighteen USC two forty one. Um, um, however, according, according, according to this legal scholar, uh, he says that uh, the statute does cover deception. Then there's nothing in the text limiting such deception to speech about the mechanics of voting. Alleged lies about the government or national security or economy could also be prosecuted if the government thought that they were intended to discourage people from voting. So if you like, you know, if you posted anything about COVID vaccine statistics, or if you posted anything about uh, the dangers of gender affirming care, or if you posted, you know, anything negative about pornography that's in your kid's public school library, mm -hmm. you know, they could decide to extend that statute towards you. I don't There's think it's likely to fly. I mean, it's on his face, unconstitutional. It's on his face to the First Amendment violation. What? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree yeah. with you that it's unconstitutional, but you just have to, like, I mean, these people clearly don't care about that or not. It's it's a it's a chill it's a chilling effect overall. It's it's certainly going to cause a chilling effect. Uh, I don't know what the outcome of Ricky's case is going to be. I, I suspect he gets found not guilty. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, they so, have, but I mean, the federal government lawyers typically don't lose cases. They have a pretty high, uh, they have a pretty high win rate. Well, federal, that wasn't federal. What was Roberta Kaplan? That wasn't a federal case, was it? That's no, a, that, that was civil. That was civil. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. This is yeah. yeah um, this is yeah. It, this guy. This guy's facing up to ten years in prison. Right. For memes. Yeah. You know, I mean. I mean. I mean. The thing is. I mean. Is, Richard. Richard Spencer may lose his fucking trust fund, but this guy's going to do ten years. Could potentially do ten years behind bars. Sure. Hosting uh, me. I'm sure. Hosting very me. Okay. Hold on. If, hold on. Hold on. If, if hold Ricky on. got anything more than time served, I'd be very surprised. Yeah. And also, like, this guy worked for for Peter Thiel, so. I mean, you know, this is the paranormal, so implying this is real. Like, okay, they're really going to put him away for 10 years. You're like, we have to, you know, they're, they're, they're just like they're putting away, just like they're putting away uh, Buffalo Jamiroquai. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm willing to speculate that the, the whole thing <laughs> from the beginning was was kind of like bullshit charges just to yeah. retire Ricky because he got exposed by Nayland. Yeah, I think there's, yeah. I think there's a lot more to it like that. I, I think there's a lot more of uh, let's make up a story and put him in. You know, I don't. I don't know. A lot of this just seems like so you, you don't even think the fake story could have a chilling effect. I mean, that just the just the well, concept Alex, that like somebody say, could do time behind bars, like saying Alex Jones. Okay, that's like saying did the Alex Jones billion dollar lawsuit to have a chilling effect on conspiracy theorists? Maybe on Sandy Hook, did, uh, specifically. Yeah, did, I mean, it kind of did, didn't it? I mean, there's a certain certain thing that we were going to do. A well, yeah, we were going to do an anniversary, anniversary show on it, and we decided not to. But is there? I mean, is there a real reason to do that? To do that? Yeah. 
anyways, that's beside the point. No, we didn't. We, we didn't do the episode not because of the the lawsuit. I wasn't afraid of getting sued. I mean, I obviously Sandy hoax. Like, I'm not. I'm not afraid of saying that. But I mean, they're not going to sue me for. Nobody's nobody's getting sued. Alex Jones isn't paying a billion dollars. Like, I well, don't. Think, I know I don't he's think, not paying a billion. Right. Dollars. Just like I don't think. I don't think Doug Mackey's going to prison for ten years. You know. Just like dude, Buffalo Jamiroquai is not doing how many every years they're going to give him, you know, or you know what I mean? The January 6th guys like uh, um, what's his name? The uh, you go the charger. No, the charger driver kid. Uh, James Fields, like 441 years. Yeah, no, I don't think so. The more I look at the more I look at Charlottesville, the more I like that, that everything about it is an op. And I was right in the middle of it. Holy shit. Anyway, that's that's another story. But uh, yeah, I mean, sure, uh, it could have a chilling effect on on shit posters everywhere, you know. Um, I guess you know. Don't maybe m- maybe don't. And it wasn't just memes. It was like, you know, uh, vote from home. Text. They were like telling people to te- to not go vote. That you could text. Your vote. That's basically what it was. So that's what there's why they're saying that this is somewhat of a uh, could be an influential thing. I mean, you got to remember the people that they're targeting don't have the highest mean IQ. So it, it, it was a really dumb meme, but I, I don't think Ricky's actually going to go. Yeah, to I don't either. I don't think anybody is. For... It's just like the Chinese girl isn't going to either. The the Asian chick that was doing the Christina Wong did the same thing, right? I'm not even sure. Is Christina Wong even being, um, <clears throat> excuse me, indicted on any of this stuff, or is it just Mackey? Who is Christina Wong? Christina Wong is a Asian Chinese for Trump and people of color for Trump. She, um, do you mean Kathy Wong? No, this Christina Wong had was doing the same sort of things. Uh, like she was, Hey, Trump supporters skipped. Oh, she was a, okay. So she was a, uh, she was telling Trump supporters to text in their vote and to vote tomorrow on super Wednesday. So she yeah, was, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure plenty of people made like similar. Right. So like text voting. Or right. Whatever. So Doug, but Doug Mackey is the only one who's getting charged, quote charged. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's why, know. that's why I don't, I mean, was it because he's white? They're going to prosecute him because he's white? He's the only white guy that did it? You tell me he's the only white dude that, that did that? Uh, yeah, I, I I never particularly liked Ricky. Uh, I hope he doesn't go to prison. I don't, I, don't, I hope he doesn't go to prison. I don't think he's going to go to prison. I heard him on Fascination the one time he was on. Uh, he doesn't have a great voice for radio. Um, so, you know, he was good at the Twitter. But honestly... Uh, anything that makes big news and this kind of stuff, I mean, I'm going to just point my finger and say sus. It's definitely very sus. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Dogbot, but the whole thing just, you know, contrived. I think Dogbot stepped away for a minute. Should we we take a break? Should we go into Um, a break? Yeah, it's not, it's, we're an hour and let's take a break. We have, excuse me. Good Lord. The weather changed. Dude, it went from like it went from like 65 to like 30. And it was 28 today. Um Yeah, it's been raining down here for like the first time in like 
five years, four Good years. Lord. Good Lord. And it's just been nonstop raining constantly. Yeah, I heard it was raining um, a lot in in uh, Southern California in general. There's a blizzard in New England right now. All right. Uh, so uh, uh, where, that's where Grognak is, and he's he's like getting snowed in right now, so. Uh, snowed in in the dungeon. Yes, snowed down in the dungeon. All right, so we're going to listen to Dogbot Picked Out. Everything's Ruined by Faith No More. And uh, we'll listen to this, and we'll be back.
All right. We're back. We're back. We're back. Yeah. Uh, that was Faith No More. I guess a little bit of We Care A Lot got played, too. So, Oh, well. That'll happen when you run the YouTube. What's going on, Typhus? Never been a big new metal fan. No? No. 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 Dog Bucket back yet? I don't believe Dog Bucket might be lagging in a couple of minutes. He had to take a call a little while ago. So, anyways, yeah. all right. Well, let's go back to the bank because yeah, there's a way that. Let's, oh yeah. So what did we miss? What did we miss with the bank? Well, there's a way regulators could have stopped all this from happening to begin with, and mm-hmm. the way regulators could have prevented this is if banks were, were forced to mark their bond holdings at the actual market prices, either on a day-to-day basis or quarterly basis, because right now they're not forced to. And other types of companies are, like hedge funds are. But basically the the banks were able to list on their balance sheet to regulators uh, that they hadn't taken any losses at all on these bonds, even though on paper, not realized, but on paper, mm-hmm. they had. And that those unrealized losses made them really vulnerable to a bank run. It, it would be a simple, simple loophole for government regulators to close, to just force banks holding these kinds of long-duration bonds to continually update their customers on the actual value of these holdings relative to their deposits. Hmm. Well, that didn't happen, so <laughs> they're fucked. Um so in the mean in the meantime, this doesn't really mean I mean much other than is this is this something big that can cause something you know I mean here it is it's Tuesday and nothing big really happened. Yeah, no, nothing big happened, and in in terms of like the average American uh, sense of fear about this is completely dissipated. And so the potential conditions for further bank runs have largely uh, gone away as well. So it's very unlikely that it has any further risk of uh, causing other bank failures, catalyzing other bank failures. Mm. Okay. Um, Other than the seizure of the one bank that went under because of crypto. (laughs) That That made my crypto buddies like, they're like, oh, no. They're going after crypto, bro. <laughs> They're going well, it's this interesting, it. too, be, be, because uh, a, a lot of people think like, oh, if it's crypto, it can't ever be seized by the government, right? Right. But you, you can actually read in government seizures all the time, either in a, when a bank is taken over or just in like criminal seizures where they will list all the time. Like, yeah, we took, you know, half a million in bank deposits. 200,000 in cash and like 15 Bitcoin. Right. right. It does, cryptos do get seized by the government all the time. And if, if they're held on like a centralized exchange, then they're incredibly easy to seize, right? <laughs> exactly, they, they just yeah. like contact uh, like their compliance department and tell them to like freeze the account. Mm-hmm. 
I can imagine, yeah, if if the uh, the SEC caught, got a hold of your Coinbase account, you know, it would be frozen instantly. Right, right. But I just find it's funny. This one guy um, I work with is old. He's the oldest guy I've ever seen that's into crypto, mm-hmm. and he's like sixty-two. Is he a libertarian? Um, I don't know. Like, like a Ron Paul type? Eh, not really. He's kind of like a um. I don't. I can only describe him as like an, a very old Gen X rocker, right? Okay. And okay. Um, who has a daughter who just turned twenty one, and another like the youngest. His youngest kid's twenty one, and she's like finally out of the house or whatever. He's invested in crypto heavily in crypto, because uh-huh. if crypto takes off, then I can like take care of my family for the rest of forever, and like right, and. He's uh, one of the XRP guys, and you know, not this. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He's an XRP boomer almost, right? So that's a whole XRP other side. XRP is, is, a- is very interesting because if you look at the chart, everybody that's ever bought XRP is down. Like <laughs> because right. you, you, you can see like where there were like spikes of buying of XRP. Mm-hmm. And the the window for selling it at a profit is like enormously small. <laughs> I but, made I made a very small profit with Ripple when it first came on the market a long time ago. Um, yeah, you're, you're you're one of the very few. Like I mean, not even a lot. Like we were, dude. We were like we were day trade. I was I was out of work at the time. I was laid off, and I was day trading and and uh, and like making a couple hundred bucks a day doing stupid little day trades. Remember Verge? XVG? No, probably oh a lot of people don't. Oh but I'm God. assuming it, 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 it was like the like shit coin that was supposed to like take over the world. And like it was, um, okay. it was the first, it was Sheeb before there was Sheeb. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and like all those, those stupid shit coins. We made like a whole bunch of little shitty, like a couple hundred dollars a day doing dumb day trades. Right. And yeah. thought, we were, thought we were going to make it big. I made a couple hundred bucks on Ripple a long time ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But the, the 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 issue is banks like uh, the signature bank mm-hmm. treated a lot of these you know shit coins like this was you know some actual business um, right and they're not they're just speculative shit coins they're not even real things they're just a piece of paper really not even white paper is just in the computer it's not even real white paper right well and and I, I mean a, a lot of it is just like. You know, seventy percent of the people involved in trading it know that this is just like a bullshit casino token, and people are like betting on, mm-hmm. okay, can we push the price up or can we push it lower? Right? They're 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 aware that there's like no actual value to the to the token being, you know, traded back and forth. Right. They're not. Yeah, and that's and that's how it works. And people dump their money in and. Um, you know, most people most people end up losing. That's like you said, like ninety nine percent of the people that bought Ripple are down. Mm. Yeah, and, and if you set yourself up as the bank for like really high risk falls of gamblers, uh, there, there there's a can- chance that your uh, your bank runs into some trouble. <laughs> so, what are some other um? So since that didn't happen. And now when bank, all the bank stocks, stonks, all the numbers went down Monday really mm-hmm. bad. And crypto went up. Bitcoin went up, right? 
Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I'm, I'm expecting actually this is going to be a fake pump, but basically why the stock market reacted positively, why crypto reacted positively to the news of the deal that the government worked out where SVB depositors are going to get bailed out, uh, why these markets reacted positively is people are, are anticipating that this is going to get the Fed to stop increasing interest rates because rising interest rates led to, in part, led to the collapse of this bank. Um, I don't think that's actually going to happen. The, the next FOMC meeting is March 22nd. I'm, I'm expecting them to come out with, you know, a nice hefty interest rate rate uh raise then and when that happens yeah probably bank stocks will get hit but there's a big difference between like getting hit and going bankrupt right uh stocks get hit all the time but if you go bankrupt it's over you know you're out right as you go yeah you go all in and you broke <laughs> yeah um so bank stocks might get hit. And, and what I'm also anticipating because bank stocks are likely going to get hit and likely going to continue to get hit mm -hmm. um, is some kind of false flag to happen to, to prop up uh, the price of oil. Because th this is something oh, yeah, that right. continually uh, happens when this uh, financial env environment arises. Like we've seen it happen in the past couple of years, several times where, you know, like a ship suddenly lodges itself in the Suez Canal mm -hmm. and oil yeah. price goes high, bank price go high, uh, or a refinery gets blown up by some like made up terrorist group. Oil prices go higher, bank prices go higher. Bank stocks are very tied into uh, the price of oil and the energy sector so w whenever energy or oil go up banks always go up hmm. so one way to to combat you know the the loss that they're going to eat on rising interest rates is just jack up the price of oil the banks can make money off of rising oil prices very easily right and that, I mean, that's just as, you know, and, and that's as manipulated as the stock market, the oil prices. Oh, incredibly manipulated. Like if, if you, for one, just the origin of oil and how people think about oil mm -hmm. is entirely manipulated, right? Everybody thinks oil is made up of like melted down dinosaurs. Right. right. Tens of Fossil of fuels. No, it's, and again, we've, we've discussed this many times, like yeah, the abiotic yeah. theory of oil. Yeah. Um, so that, that is like just complete, you know, Mickey Mouse fairy tale nonsense. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, just like anything they tell us all the signs. Yeah. But e even if you took that aside, right. Mm -hmm. e even if, oil was as rare and non-renewable as they claim sure the market is still inflated by like 3x and it's inflated by you know uh made up bullshit mostly right like the presence of cia run terrorist groups in the middle east uh or 
the ongoing, you know, made up faking gay war between Ukraine and Russia. Right. Uh, which introduced artificial restrictions and artificial demand for oil. Uh, you mean again? Right. Yeah, yeah. They do that all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, there's a lot of things that are going on with that, but, um, uh, that's but one it, of them. It, it, it's, it's why banks tie themselves so heavily into it is because anytime they need a bump, you know, they can just call up the CIA, you know, hey, we need oil to right. go up. You right. know, CIA is like, all right, we're on it. We're going to bomb brown people somewhere. <laughs> and they love yeah. it because they get to brown, bomb brown people. It's like one of their favorite yeah, yeah. things. Yeah. It really, I mean, if you're, if you're, a, uh, I know I saw the, um, used to make fun of the um it was an american dad the cia agent dad right and they they whenever they would show like the cia doing stuff and they would all, you know it was always like they were having fun whenever they were doing any of the you know any of the killing of people or whatever the cia agents were always like like high-fiving and stuff because they, they, they these people have to enjoy doing that what they do you, i mean right i mean you think they enjoy well, they, assassinating they, they, yeah stuff? They, they, they get selected and like you know groomed for it right right is it is it kind of like a uh, like an American Psycho where like you know they're like flexing while they're shooting somebody you know like looking at themselves in the mirror while they're garroting somebody maybe did I talk <laughs> about the the, re- the retired Marine Corps Colonel on the last pod the guy I saw once the the reti- wait a second the retired Marine Corps Colonel that did what okay I, there there was a speech I went to once and, and, and it, it it was basically like a like glow in the dark recruiting speech okay. Um, and it, it, it was given by this like retired Marine Corps colonel, and uh, the the topic of the speech was why Judas is the uh, the main hero of the Bible. Whoa! Right, and not Jesus. And it, his argument basically was that Judas and Jesus were both fulfilling the same prophecy, mm-hmm. but Jesus got to go to heaven, and Judas had to go to hell. And his argument basically was like, if you work for the government, right, or if you join the military, you're going to have to do things that will send you to hell. But it's worth it to, like, you know, be that kind of hero. And that that's what, like, being a hero requires. Being um, a hero requires doing the dark deed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, 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 I was, like, 16 when I, when, when I saw it. I, I had been, like, previously, like, interested in, like, uh military or whatever you mm-hmm. know and You're then like, what did that, did that give you like a hey, nah maybe not yeah after that I, I i basically completely noped out of like considering that as a career <laughs> um but yeah man like uh they, they deliberately select uh those kind of like i, th- I think yuri bezmanov called him like uh people that can look at you with like a brilliant smile and tell you a lie mm. uh and, and silicon valley does the same thing too uh to a lesser extent right like they're, they're not selecting for like killers or like uh you know uh, glow-in-the-dark handlers or whatever they're mm-hmm. selecting for like people that can run like a convincing financial scam or like ponzi scheme right um that eventually goes into like an ipo where it gets dumped on the public Hmm. Um, and that, that, that kind of brings us back to the bank actually. Um, cause one of the problems SVB had is basically what 
Silicon Valley itself is, right? Silicon Valley is basically like a Ponzi uh, manufacturing city, right? It's like mm -hmm. a scam city. And yeah. it's like, what is it? 92% of startups fail, 95% of startups fail, something like that. So it's well, yeah, the, the, the failure rate on startups is astronomical. It's just like, it's but... like money laundering, basically, for, for a lot of this stuff. Oh, guess what? There's uh, breaking news. Uh, SVB just deleted their Twitter account. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Dogbot's <laughs> that's that's news to Dogbot. Like, like whoa, Twitter. I mean, of course they did. Yes, poof, gone, just like your money. They're going to regulate the the crap out of these tiny banks, aren't they? They're gonna they're gonna batter them into extinction. Uh... There's definitely going to be new new regulation uh, brought out. I, I hope what they actually do is, is what I suggested earlier, which is that they force banks to mark bonds the same way they're forced to mark equities, which is like continually update on the actual value of these notes and, you know, take action uh, to prevent a trade from going so badly against them as their bet on like long-term government bonds did. What about credit unions? Can they do any? Are they going to do anything to credit unions? Because I, I, I've heard a lot more people are putting their, you know, their checking and savings in credit union systems. In in two thousand eight, when uh, you know all the Occupy Wall Street stuff started to happen, there was a big push to get people to take money out of banks and put it into credit unions. Um. Is that same thing going to happen now? I'm not sure because, for one, there's not really so much of a big fear movement actually happening, but the people that are moving their money out of fear, I, th I think, are likely to park it with uh, bigger banks than smaller credit unions. But credit unions definitely like vary significantly in size and perceived security like a military credit union uh depositors probably feel is like very secure right because like if you take the military's money away um like <laughs> there's obviously going to be like really severe like ramifications to that right if, if like a uh, navy federal credit union right like everybody got their account zeroed out at yeah, um, that would really. You know, suck. if you're just if you're just I mean, a relative, really if you're just a relative of someone who is in the navy, you can join the navy Fe federal credit sure. union. Right, right. Uh, I, I think that's how it also works with like the other military credit unions. Mm -hmm. and, and then there's also like other credit unions, like uh, there's like the Lockheed uh, credit union, which I think is Logics now, um, which is like defense contractor credit union, which which are also probably like perceived as being like as secure. Yeah. Your account could go stealth. <laughs> yeah, you get your, well, you upgrade to your Skunk Works account. Speaking yeah. of Twitter accounts, did you guys uh, did you guys hear about what Jordan Peterson did this weekend? Oh man, did he get another colorful suit? No, he um, suit. I don't know, like what the account he quote tweeted was but basically he had quote tweeted it and he said um such fun in 
uh, such fun and unbelievable techno nightmare CCP hell. And the, the moving image was, it was some goon dungeon where guys were having their junk milked by machines. <laughs> this is this is what the uh, this is what the tweet is. And and like somebody memes on him hard. And, yeah. and and I was completely, I was completely mortified. It was so disgusting. Right, and somebody, right. somebody had re, I, somebody, I guess, had retweeted it into my feed, and I was like, "What is going on with this man? He is completely losing it. <laughs> he is completely well, losing. There is no way on earth that he really looked at that whatever Twitter account he was following to where that image. I mean, it was it was video. It was it was a video like panning of like guys laying down on hospital beds." having their their junk milk what's the deal with the chick with the lobster claws <laughs> okay somebody took a photograph okay okay so later on that night his daughter replied to him dad you can't retweet this on twitter my eyes will never recover and somebody uh took the picture of her dressed as a like a a slutty mm -hmm. lobster right and and uh mm -hmm. And put it over the image of the guys getting milked. Oh, that's is that what, what happened? Okay. That's what. Yeah, that's what the meme is there. Yeah. Jesus. Well, I didn't have a screenshot of the other thing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Peterson definitely has like like deep cracks in his brain, like like like, like yeah, some well, significant. I mean, he's damage. he's part of uh, he he's part of the op. You know, he gets to go on he gets to go on Joe Rogan and. Uh, have all all the other big brains on his on his podcast too. He's got he's got one now where he does interviews, sort of. He's um, part of the Metzger yeah. uh, disinformation sort of sort of yeah the dark op. the intellectual dork web all that yeah but, but he also did that thing where he went to Russia and they put him in like a medically induced coma mm -hmm. for like a month or something. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot of weird odd, stuff going odd, on he, with him medically. Yeah, there was that video. Um, that was making the rounds that was pointing out all the dark satanic stuff, like, like hidden language in his, in his, uh, speeches and lectures at school. Like he's, he's a really, really creepy dude. And, yeah, and he, and he, and he, and he, cover, he covers it very, he covers it very well. Like, like there's this like veneer of this sort of smart guy that says something rational once in a while and then like the longer he talks the more the more messed up stuff comes out of his mouth well he's yeah i mean he's a soothsayer he's a you know he's he's kind of well i don't know i don't know if you'd say he has like a silver tongue but he's he's you know he's up there to um he's a sophist right which is like a word wizard Mm -hmm. And that's what he does. I mean, yeah. and he hypnotizes people with his words, and he gets people to not use their brains properly. I mean, like if you if you listen if you actually listen to Jordan Peterson, and that guy gets you to clean your room, there's something more wrong with you than that. Yeah, well, he well, usually I mean, has to do with uh, no dad being present. Yeah, he, it's the same. He's, he, okay, he's a psychologist, and he he also he, right. he worked for the UN, and, and so you have to wonder like, why is the UN going to like trot out this psychologist? Mm -hmm. Uh, or, or like Scott Adams, a hypnotist, right? right. 
and have them all present these same kind of talking points in this same kind of you know rhetoric. If a hypnotist, uh, yeah, a hypnotist, a psychologist. I mean, this is straight out of MK Ultra. This is right out of Project Paperclip. These are you know yeah. the same kind of stuff. I wonder you guys what remember his... Steve Pygenic from Infowars, the guy Alex Jones used to always bring on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he was uh, this Jewish uh, CIA agent. He worked for the CIA agent. He he, he was a psychologist and also a, a hostage negotiator. And like whenever there was really crazy shit happening, like when the uh, the, the Hillary emails came out or whatever, yep. they Long would come put Steve Yep. Yeah, they would put Pygenic on Infowars. And yep. it's like, okay, why are they putting a hostage negotiator, you know, out front to mm. talk all, to all these people and, like, present the, like, oh. the calm down, patriots in control narrative. He's negotiating you know? a deal with the listener. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, <laughs> and Peterson or Adams, you know, they're all kind of cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all this stuff, I mean, like, the CIA has... It's hands everywhere. It's tentacles, whatever you want to call it, the octopus. It's more than eight legs, but yeah, it's it's tentacles are everywhere. It's in every media outlet. It's everybody on YouTube. It's every except for us, because um, we're not on YouTube anymore. But uh, yeah, they, they're everywhere, and and Jude and Peter Stein is is definitely part of it. I called him Jude and Peter Stein the other day at work, and somebody said, "Geez, John, you really don't like Jews, do you?" <laughs> uh, what tipped you off buddy like, yeah well i called jordan peterson Juden peterstein like did, did you guys see the video where he was talking about how some jews called him rabbi he started crying, started crying. He was so thankful yeah, yeah. Like, jesus <laughs> criminy. the you guy's see, just like crying i've uh, never seen anybody time, so happy to eat dinner before did you see the 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 pictures of him eating with a uh, little ben and bb no, no. He no, went. No. He oh, had oh, dinner. Oh, I've seen the, the classic with Rogan, the dinner party one. He had, yeah. He had, um, he had dinner with Ben Shapiro and Bibi Netanyahu, and you could just see that there was a bulge in his napkin on his lap. The whole entire, like every picture, <laughs> he was just like he had a boner the whole time because you know how much he loves Israel and, and Jews and whatever, right? To be sitting there of with course. Bibi Netanyahu is just like, oh my god, yeah. It was. You could just he see, was, like, he the, was with Shapiro. Yeah, it was Ben Shapiro and Bibi Netanyahu, and he had like it must have been when he uh, when he re-upped his Daily Wire contract. It was recent. Like, si- signed it in blood in front of Netanyahu. <laughs> <laughs> this was really recent, though. It was like a month ago or so. What, two ago. what was that ordeal a little while ago with Stephen Crowder airing the dirty laundry about how Daily Wire was trying to uh, trying to pay him millions of dollars to to like sign him on and then tailor his message. Yeah, yeah, the, the, I mean that's basically what it was, and it was like a full-on like everything deal, like uh, merchandise, YouTube, everything they they like now own, and they pay him like a set amount every month or whatever, and he has to make like so many episodes, and mm-hmm. if he misses an episode or whatever, he had to pay like half a million dollars in fees or something. Uh, Sounds. Like a really shit deal. Yeah, I remember the very first time I was exposed to Steven Crowder. He yeah. was on he was on Red Eye and he was trying to make points about feminism and, and on the same panel they had Amy Schumer and oh, they boy. got into a pissing match with each other. Well, and uh well, it was it was it was, it was fantastic television. 
Now and then and then like Amy Schumer later on blew up and became famous. She was just this like stand-up comedian that Greg Gutfeld knew from drinking in New York or something. Well, it's you know, and had Chuck Schumer's niece. Well, and, and and nobody had made that connection back right. then. Right. Well, because like, yeah, yeah like, Jews kind of use uh, stand-up comedy as like a retirement program for like their burnout sons and dollars. They, they really do. Yeah, Greg would have these like random stand-up comics on that nobody had ever heard of, and they who would then, have like, them on? Greg Gutfeld. Greg uh, Gutfeld. That show Red Eye. He's the that yeah. show Jew. Red Eye used he's, to be yeah, on. Uh, he's the Jewish Fox. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Mullen used to go on it a lot. Yeah. I, yeah. It's my mom loves Greg Gutfeld. She's a big yeah. My mom. My mom's a boomer. She she yeah. loves his oh, yeah. show, but but like that the Red Eye show was interesting in the late aughts, early 2010s. I, I liked that show. I'm an idiot, yeah. So, but it it, it was the, the 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 big fat uh dumb <laughs> uh, wrestler guy or whatever Tyrus. He, he, yeah, he wasn't on that, but like King Buzzo from Melvins used to go on there, and I thought that was interesting. Oh, from the Melvins, yeah. He's that a was, weird dude too. Yes, yeah. That was that and, was an. I watched an episode or two of that back in the day. It was like really. And Od- like, Odorous Arungus from uh, Guar would show up. That was that was cool. He was yeah, oddly political. The Odorous Arungus. I mean, I you don't expect I, that. I had no idea that you know a band from Antarctica could have a political affiliation. All right, all right. They're not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But what is that is that, is that a little too deep of of guar lore to to bring up their the guar is from like out of outer space yeah no they're from antarctica they're from antarctica dude no antarctica okay. yeah yeah i've never been to the guar show oh man you missed it well i mean antarctica's far away it's understandable they don't they don't <laughs> you know, yeah um <laughs> guar jesus I remember, oh oh don't pretend don't pretend you're too cool for guar dude i went through the meat grinder at a show up in albany like with a big meat grinder on stage they grabbed people from from like the front and through i got all gross i like had like fake blood all over me and stuff dude yeah. if if you're within like 50 yards oh, yeah. of the stage at a guar show you got fake blood on you no i i i came out no dude i'm not just on me i came out looking like i had just been born like but the, were you did you did you experience rebirth i was rebirth it was, rebirth. Concert? It was the, um i forgot what tour it was but they brought out the big hunter guy the big uh the guy out on stage with like a big uh, shotgun and uh odorous Arungus cut him open with a with a sword nice and all his guts yeah all his guts came out i don't remember which which tour they did that on but then they had the big yeah they had the big meat grinder on stage and they would grab people and throw you back there and you got to hang out for a few minutes all gross and nasty with other people that were all gross and nasty covered in all that fake blood but you got to be backstage for five minutes <laughs> <laughs> yeah man the 90s 90s were cool like you know new metal guar. was guar always the same band or was no, it um well a couple of guys one of the guys died and somebody left and they have had replacements since so it's not the same band anymore but Tyson, most- so I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Nobody's into Guar for the music. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I get that. I get I mean, okay, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. A little bit. They're I mean, not terrible. They're really. They're, they are. They're kind of like this. The the Steel Panther of death metal. Um, 
in a, in a way, in a way, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Like I guess they're they're, I, they're like I, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Steel Panther. If Rocky Horror Picture Show and Steel Panther were doing death metal, I hate both of those comps. But like, I, I, I think it's it's pretty apt. It's apt. It's very apt, and you don't like it, and that's too bad. Yeah. That's the problem. Well, You're right. Guar's it's apt. Just, and, guar's just guar. Yeah, they are, and they are just guar. Exactly. But that's like the only thing you can compare it to. But anyways, we, it's yeah. the only band whose name is four letters that isn't pretentious. Hmm. Think about that. I'm trying to think of some bands that are only four letter names. Wham, pretty pretentious. Rush. Rush. Extremely pretentious. Very pretentious. Tool. Tool. The most pretentious band of all time. (laughs) Isis. Isis. Oh. Isis and Tool are like one and two for pretentiosity. Uh, Cake. Uh, They just sound lazy. I wouldn't call them pretentious. You think? Cake is incredibly pretentious. Are they really? Yeah. They're they're very extremely pretentious. Yeah. Old? Is that what you said? No, whole. Oh, Toto. Courtney Love's band. Toto. Sticks. Now you're you're going way back. It's too far. ABBA. Okay. ABBA. ACDC. ACDC. Mm. ACDC is probably another one that's another one that doesn't have. Yeah, because that they have a lightning bolt in their name, so that's five letters. Wow. (laughs) Uh, yes, uh, you could count yes because the S on their album covers is big enough for two letters. Wow, they are pretty pretentious as well. They're supremely pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're they're like the thing is is with most of these really pretentious bands that the Dream music... Theater. If you could crush it down to four letters, yeah. Wow, <laughs> Dream Theater is like the most pretentious band in history. Yeah. Mm, wow. Uh, dude. God, that it's it would be up there. Dream it Theater would be up there. Dream Theater, Tool, uh, yes, Rush, Muse. M- Muse is really. Pretentious. Are they really? Oh, I didn't yeah. Know. yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely yeah. pretentious, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, prog rock and metal is basically like pretentious the genre. Yeah, Pro- yeah, yeah. And when you mix it into prog metal, <sighs> it's, yeah, yeah. That, that, like I said, Dream Theater. That's all you got. Yeah, I mean, but that's corn, corn, non pretentious though. No, pretty, mm. pretty decent. I've guy. seen Dream Theater like three times. All, all, all the shows yeah. are actually really good. No, their their shows are phenomenal. Like you know, because yeah. he's they're like some of the most talented musicians on earth. But and their shows are great. They're definitely extremely pretentious. Oh, yeah, yeah that's ba- like back, a fifteen minute. Yeah, back, back sta- backstage before the encore, they they've got a machine to where they can. Sniff their own farts. Yeah, before they come, before they come it's out. a startup. Out of, it's it's made by a startup out of San Francisco. So <laughs> strange. It's underwritten by Keith Woods. Right. Ooh. So all right, we we got a little. How much time we got left? Uh, we got a few more minutes. We got about fifteen minutes. You guys want to talk about the the same sex mice babies? Do you guys hear about uh, this? Yeah. This, does does Typhus have access to this stuff? Um, uh, but I heard like the basic just solid. The, the story, basic gist right? is they that made, scientists like, a made a baby from two male mice. Yeah, they made a baby from two males, inching closer to same sex births. That's... I, I for I forwarded screenshots of the article to you, Typhus. Yeah, it's it's an insane story. So within the next decade, some scientists will figure it will be possible to create a viable human egg from a male skin cell, paving the path 
for same-sex male couples to have their own biological children. The prediction came on the heels of a genome development that saw scientists producing baby mice by generating eggs from male cells. The LGBT crowd in particular is no doubt cheering this latest evil. I mean, dude, after all, I mean, like, that's pretty fucked up. So you know how they did it? They yes. they relied on a series of intricate steps to transform a skin cell carrying the male XY chromosome combination into an egg with the female XX versions. Hmm. Uh, a little culture here, a little egg fertilization there, a little sperm here, a few embryos later, and voila! Let the let the implantation of man-made horrors beyond comprehension. And proceed. of course, it was done in Japan. So were the mice? Well, actually... I would I would have thought this would have been a Korean thing because it like, <laughs> but yeah, it's a J- Japanese thing. So six of the, seven of the mice out of six hundred of the embryos are actually born. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did they actually survive? Did they come out like fucked up? Like, I don't. It doesn't say. Like, mice? It doesn't. Uh, say. It's like know. Dolly the sheep. They tell you. They tell you that Dolly the sheep was born, but they don't tell you what happened to Dolly the sheep. You know. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, no, you're right. They don't tell you what yeah, happened like, afterwards yeah, after they got her out of the. Uh, they took her out of the sous vide bag, right? Yeah. When like, yeah. when like, uh. You know, someone busted to the door, and there's like this chimera on the floor, like writhing, and it says, "Edward, it hurts." Oh God! Um, the terminology used here, too, of within a decade, scientists <laughs> figure it will be possible. Well, these are just, yeah, they're just buzz yeah. phrases that they say, and people go, "Wow!" and they read these articles, "Wow." I mean, th- th- this company is definitely trying to raise money from like very rich gay people. Mm-hmm. With like the promise that like w- w- oh yeah we we can give you a gay baby in you know ten years or whatever. I imagine having the job bioethicist, bioethicist, hmm. and you're doing something completely unethical. This <laughs> <laughs> is pretty unethical. This is about as unethical as it gets. So so if they're telling you in a story that it could be years and years before scientists learn how to safely and effectively apply their discovery to humans. They already have. Does it. that mean they're already doing it? Probably. Like like Alex Jones says, they already have pig pig baby chimeras. Human pig chimeras up on the ISS. It means they're already doing it or they want to raise money from investors with a promise that they'll be mm-hmm. able to do it if they get money. Just creating demon vessels. That's that's basically what's happening here, right? Yeah. Speaking of demon vessels, nice segue. Um, when the intelligence community wants to recruit punk rockers, who are society's rebels? Oh, I thought we were about to start talking about the Rob Zombie song Dragula. No. What? Why are we talking about Dragula? Demon vessel. Never mind. Yeah. But this article is by Katya Sedgwick. I guess it's Kira Sedgwick's sister. Um, Anarchy in the CIA. Hmm. Uh, so they said that 2023 is a year when counterculture officially went spook. Of course, it started there too. So it'd be more accurate to say that in 2023, counterculture closed the circle. Um, they say that from 1953 to 1973, the CIA ran MKUltra, the illegal program designed to chart the potential of psychi- or psychedelic drugs for mind control. Um, 
using writers like Allen Ginsberg and Ken Kesey. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, Ted Kaczynski was in there. Um, and the architect of the murder of the 20th century, Charles Manson. And, you know, they, they didn't say anything about Jim Jones, but that's in there as well. Um, but check this out. The CIA plans on recruiting at the South by Southwest Festival. Listen to this. In a world of ubiquitous surveillance, artificial intelligence, sophisticated disinformation campaigns, and data streams that double in size every two years, how will intelligence agencies respond to the opportunities and challenges presented by emerging technologies and the ever-changing digital ecosystems we will live within? Join CIA leaders in technology and digital innovation on this wide-ranging discussion about the future of intelligence. Adding that participants can... Talk with CIA officers about exciting career opportunities and learn about in- industry partnerships. Hmm. It it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, probably what they're going for is like a, a, a lot of people that, that work for the CIA are actually embedded at different companies. Absolutely. And so at South by Southwest, right, you're going to have like the most Reddit people uh, flying in from all over the country uh, to go to like these, you know, reddit music uh festival and it provides like a good opportunity for like you know government to uh pick up a bunch of these different people as clandestine assets Mm -hmm. so weird south by southwest used to be a pretty decent like kind of thing to go see festival yeah yeah to see like bands from independent labels that you don't really get to see yeah, and then it turned into this giant convention for libtards. Yep, it used to be hipsters, and it was indies and hipsters, and then it was, you know, kind. Well, of... it was lot. I mean, it was lots of different genres. Sure, like like it was it was like blues and. Oh, I mean, it was a total. It was a, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was an indie festival. There's like it's all independent independent labels, not just yeah. indie, not just what would be you know quote indie and quote music, um. So interesting that um you know the CIA is interested in recruiting among the characters who a few years ago would be considered security risks and also that the promoters are allowing the spooks to set up a booth at South by Southwest. I mean just going by the already public record that the CIA founded the punk movement, you know, uh guys like Henry Rollins, who who came out of uh, who came out of a prep school in Delaware, um, you know, all of a sudden found himself as the lead singer of something like Black Flag, you know, out there. That was what? totally astroturf. What? What did the yeah, back, what is what did his back tattoos say with the sun on it? I don't remember. What did you say, Typhus? And also, his best friend gets killed. Right, exactly. But the, he's just another. He's just another. You know, Jim Morrison, Admiral Morrison's kid. I'm sure. I'm sure Henry Rollins' family. His dad was probably some sort of spook, somewhere related. Something maybe a chemical engineer, like Frank Zappa's dad. You know, I mean, <laughs> like I love. I love the uh, copy pasta about Jim Morrison. Which one? In the doors, he was making fun of like the lyrics, and it's like she eat more chicken than any man ever seen. Oh, yeah, I get high. <laughs> Yeah, there's like 15 minute long CIA sponsored keyboard solo. Keyboard solo, yeah. There's all kinds, yeah. And in the keyboard solo, there's all kind of mind control stuff going on. 
But all those guys, all the all those bands, uh, and it's not just the punk movement. We did the the episodes on Laurel Canyon where the CIA, you know, and and the intelligence community uh, started the hippie movement, and you know, the punk punk movement just stemmed from there. And I mean, just think about it. Like you know, being a punk rocker used to be, you know, that was you were a rebel, right? You were a rebel. You had your, your spiked up hair and your leather jacket and your, your spikes on your jacket, and you know you hated you, you you know you hated normal people and you hated your parents and you know you hated the system. And there was also a big skinhead element to a lot of it too. Right, there was that too, very much so. Um, but now it's like, you know, it, it's I don't know. I guess it took the the long march through the institutions to just like make it. All the way through, um, through to making punk gay. But uh, Johnny Rotten even said, uh, "Sex Pistol, former Sex Pistol." Johnny Rotten said, "I never thought I'd live to see the day when the right wing would become the cool ones, giving the middle finger to the establishment, and the left wing becoming the sniveling, self righteous twatty ones, going around shaming everyone." Hmm. Well, uh, uh, ironically, it's, uh, it's the right wing punk guys that kind of died young, right? Like the Ramones, they died yeah. young. Right. I mean, um, the, oh, my and, God. And the, oh, my God. Henry Rollins is a he's a great example. Speaking of Henry Rollins, he's a great example of the newfound obedience to the system. Right. Punk rockers during the covid lockdowns, punk rockers proved to be super obedient little subjects. They deferred to the institutional authority, supporting all the measures from masking lockdowns. Right. All that. Yeah. Well, in bad religion, even made a song about the all right. Yeah. And Henry Rollins even said. So, so um, did this. So did the descendants. Descent, like the descents came out of retirement to do a song about Trump. Oh, the descendants did. But uh, Henry <laughs> Rollins even said, he's like, I believe in scientists. When Fauci speaks, I listen. I think he's looking out for me. Wow. Doesn't that sound familiar? Talking about? Yeah. Doesn't that sound familiar? I mean, Henry, sound like another... Henry Rollins also played the evil racist cop in um, uh, Sons of uh, Buttnarchy. Right, yeah. but didn't that well, sound he, like he was also someone that constantly got sent on a Joe Rogan experience to basically yes. to advance government narratives? Yeah, well, that's what the, that's what Joe Rogan like is. A, it's just a yeah, 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 yeah. It's a CIA. You give like the government narrative, like a veneer of like edgy and cool, mm-hmm. edgy and cool, and uh, very much um, the well, like just the edgy, and, the edgy and cool stuff. I mean, he he shoots bears and he talks to like Andrew Yang, you know. He does. He does jujitsu. <laughs> he does jujitsu and hangs out in um in flotation tanks. Which which no everybody's said that nobody's ever seen him get in or out of one. Yeah, I think I'm the first person to notice that. There's no video on the internet of Joe Rogan in a flotation tank, uh, despite how much he like he pushed him for use and was like constantly talking about flotation tanks on his on his show. And I think even like selling them or like you know doing some kind of affiliate uh advertising for flotation tank merchant yeah i the, wouldn't doubt the, that i wouldn't doubt that you can't find footage of him in a flotation tank and and, and all, all 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 the video of him like standing next to a tank he's mm-hmm. always wearing jeans yeah like, so it's not like he was in a bathing suit getting in or out of it so no no mm-hmm. um, and th- there's there's a lot of like conspiracy about like the you know flotation tanks and like the altered state of consciousness and like mm-hmm. what you're like opening yourselves up to. If, well, we talked you know, about, uh, we've had that guy, um, our buddy float on who, uh, used to run a float, um, place. He used to run one of those float tank places. What it, was it, his take on, on, on the float business? Well, well I mean, it, oh God, dog, what? 
I mean, it turns out you don't get to turn into like an ape and run around town destroying cars or uh, eventually into like an energy being like on uh, altered states. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Which kind of sucks because like that would be like the whole reason to you get tried into one? one of those Have things. Have you tried one? You don't to turn into Jello? Well, I, I can either well I can neither confirm nor deny if I turned into an ape and destroyed things around town. I don't really want to get prosecuted for that. Okay. So did you try the <laughs> did you try the float tank? I can either confirm nor deny that I had a William Hurt esque uh altered states experience. I, did you did you go in the float tank? That's all I want. I don't care about the experience. Did you You went it was, and, you went and did one of those things? I can neither confirm nor I don't care about the destroying of the city. It's your city. Did you go float in the tank? Yes or no? I just want to know. Did you float in the tank? Was it cool? I mean, you actually floated it, and is it like they say it is? Because I, I wanted to go check out one. There's one. There's one uh, near, well, in the, in the bigger city near where I live. Um, there's a float a float place. I wanted to check it out, but after hearing what what. Float said about those places how some people are not exactly clean, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's the other thing you're getting. Or, or you can, or you can end up in a CCP techno hell goon dungeon. Well, I don't know what was there, what, 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 wasn't there a green text about like a guy that passed out in the float tank and shit himself? Shit himself, yeah, yeah. There's a green text about that. Not yeah, a lot that was not a, that was not a baby Ruth. <laughs> no, it wasn't even that. It's like it's not a baby Ruth. No, because no, it ended up like the whole entire tank was brown, not just a not just a baby Ruth. He like, anyways, yeah, that was an interesting. Bill, Bill Murray reached in there. Wasn't the Bill Murray grabbed it and took yes, a bite out of it? Yes, that was the <laughs> yes, that was the Caddyshack joke. Ugh. The only two people who got that joke were me and you. I don't, yeah, I don't care. Do you remember it's Caddyshack? Like Nine thirty. Is it? <laughs> It's almost time to go anyways. Yeah. yeah. All right. Going, I'm going to bed. Well, Typhus, thank you very much for joining us this week and helping yeah. us sort out the uh, Silicon Valley Bank bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Taking money with Typhus. Yes. You like our you like our little screen there, taking money with Typhus? Yeah, because we, we tried to get <laughs> we, we tried to get Charles Payne, but he was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I ain't coming on your well, I ain't coming on your live place. stream. But go ahead. Well, I'm glad to be here in this place. Right on, man. Yeah, Neil Cavuto turned us down too. You you emailed Neil Cavuto. Dude, why wouldn't you, Neil? What you know, email Neil Cavuto. Yeah. He's like the financial expert. The- and, and also, like, we emailed that British guy that they have on there because oh, he sounds smart because he's British. Steve Hilton. No, that's Stuart something. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who any of those people are. All right. Well, uh, and, and we tried to get Reinhardt to use his contacts with Dave Ramsey, but oh, like that didn't, that didn't work out either. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was either that or his or his uh, his, his contacts with Alice Cooper. Right. right. That's where I mean. That's where Reinhardt is right now. He's having Bible study with, with Alice, Alice Cooper. Cooper. Oh man. Oh no, he's getting his uh his uh, W two looked at with uh with Dave Ramsey. I, I'm not sure which one. Mean, but okay. All right. I miss the guy. Love you, Reinhardt. Well, we'll be back. We're, we're gonna we're gonna have an, another show this weekend. Um, but as for now, that's the end of the live stream. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out. Um, let me release these scratch offs. 
Scratch and released. Everybody do your scratch offs. There you go. Ah, house cheap. What's up, man? Thank you for the uh, the donation there. He gifted a phone. Whatever the um, I think we already released the scratch offs. Released the scratch offs. Okay, so scratch is released. So I don't know. Scratch offs should be released, you guys. So I don't know if if they're working or not. But yes, thank you everybody over on Pilled. Um, thank you everybody over on Odyssey. There was there were people there. There were actually people there. Death to Islam, <clears throat> Death to Islam, Rowdy Dude, Heinrich, uh, a few other people over there, and ah, Ken Kopor on over on D Live. Not many people over on D Live. Only only four <laughs> watching on D Live. But there was a. Uh, at one point on the, at one point on the, um, <coughs> bless you, on the, oh, we had, we had over, we had like 85 on the, on the pilled tonight. So not bad. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks everybody for hanging thanks out with everybody us. everybody for tuning in. Yeah. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, we're going to get out of here. There will be a Necronormicon at the end of the, uh, the podcast version of this, which will be out tomorrow. On our website in our RSS, go check out paranormies.com. Uh, you can find us on Telegram and all over the place. Um, the time travel makes you gay. From the New Deal in Old Rome, from the chapter. The Republic couldn't stand prosperity. Caesar was a dashing young aristocrat. His biographer describes him as tall and good-looking with keen black eyes. He was fastidious in his dress and he hated growing bald. He used to comb his hair forward to cover the bald spot and later he greatly valued the privilege of wearing a laurel wreath which the Senate voted him because it hid his baldness. He combined a superb intelligence with the born executive's quickness of decision and action. Cicero thought him a most effective speaker, and he became a popular idol. His soldiers, whom he called comrades, adored him. The spell he cast upon men was shown at the time when, as a young man, he was captured and held prisoner by pirates. Although his life was in danger for a month before he was ransomed, he used to joke with his captors. When he wanted to sleep, he would send word to them with supreme nonchalance, not to make so much noise. Occasionally, he would call the pirates together to hear them recite verses he had written. Those that seemed bored, he would denounce as illiterate barbarians, and he would threaten to come back and crucify them. They took it as good, clean fun. But after his release, he kept his word. He got together some armed men on ships, surprised the pirates, and put them all to death. The sort of exuberant conversation that charmed his friends as well as the pirates is illustrated in a remark he made when deeply in debt. He needed, he said, something more than a million dollars in order to have nothing at all. The young man's debts were the talk of the town, but they were not the usual debts of the young spendthrifts of the time. They represented a coolly calculating investment in politics. When he was appointed governor of the farther Spain, he was so deeply involved that his creditors threatened to seize his baggage and refused to let him depart until he had arranged with his rich banker, Crassus, to satisfy them. 
In Spain, he recouped himself from the proceeds of campaigns which resulted in confiscations and the sale of captives, all part of the unhappy game of conquest. Caesar returned from Spain to be elected consul. He was getting on in the world. He had a colleague, Bilbos, theoretically with equal authority. But where McGregor sat, there at the head of the table, Bilbus was stubborn and stupid. Jokers began to sign legal documents, done in the consulship of Julius and Caesar. In furtherance of his political ambition, Caesar had made an alliance with his former angel Crassus and with Pompey, now Rome's most distinguished general. Pompey had been disappointed in not being able to persuade the Senate to provide proper compensation for his veterans in the form of land allotments. He had too much respect for the Constitution to summon his ex-servicemen to intimidate the Senate, or perhaps he lacked the nerve until the new consul fucked him up. Caesar had no scruples in meeting what he regarded as unscrupulous opposition, and he had all the courage in the world. What followed is interesting not merely for what it shows of Caesar's tendencies, but also for its disclosure of a Roman filibuster in operation. The record is confused, but it seems to have been essentially this. Caesar proposed a bill for the purchase of land to be distributed amongst Pompey's veterans and the urban poor. The conservatives in the Senate did not especially object to the provisions of the measure. They did object, however, to any bill that might increase the popularity of Caesar, whom they distrusted. Unwilling to reject the bill outright, they resorted to a filibuster. In the United States Senate, a group of senators occasionally bands together to talk a bill to death. The Roman senators attempted to do the same thing to the land bill. They discussed the bill at such length that Caesar found it impossible to bring it to a vote. However, in Rome, the Senate's consent was not necessary to a law, and Caesar finally took his bill direct to the assembly, disregarding the Senate. In the assembly, Bilbus uh, met the bill with a flat veto, and constitutionally, this should have ended the matter. Caesar, however, had a few constitutional scruples, and he met obstruction with violence. Bilbus was driven from the forum by the mob, which probably included many of Pompey's veterans. Then the bill was illegally passed. In theory, the Senate had the right to declare it null and void, but prudence was so plainly the better part of valor that no action was taken. After this experience, the obstructionists took advantage of an old religious custom. One of the magistrates announced that he had observed an unfavorable omen. The assembly was automatically adjourned. The omens had been long since come to be used for political purposes. Bilbus had failed to stop Caesar's land bill, but he had made his passage illegal. He was resolved to do the same for all other measures of Caesar or his friends, but he did not care to face the mob again. So he shut himself up in his house and announced unfavorable omens on every day on which the assembly could meet. At the moment, the Senate was too frightened to do anything, but Philbus doubtless hoped its courage would revive in the future. 